0: And now it's time for one of the top Realtors in the Triangle, Angie Cole and the Savvy Realtor podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Savvy Realtor with Angie Cole, Walter Storold with you today and we have a few special guests joining us for today's podcast. You know, we have uh, several great partners that we work with and that Angie has partnered with for many years to help her serve clients as best as she can. Angie can handle so much of the real estate side, but what about the legal side of things? Or when it comes to mortgages? Or uh, specifically talking about buying homes and some of the great people on staff that Angie has who help navigate people through that process of buying a home? Or the inspection side of the process? Well, we've grabbed some of those specialists, some of those great partners with Angie uh, from over the years and brought them together on today's episode. And we'll be bringing them back in future episodes as well so that we can dabble in all these different worlds. So get ready, strap it in. We're going to have a great time talking with some of the great experts that Angie works with on a daily basis. Up first, it's time to ask the inspector. We're joined by Jarrett Joins, home inspector with JHI Services. And uh, Jarrett, today's question is when buying new construction, is it better to get a home inspection before somebody closes on that house or that home or at the end of the one year warranty period?
1: Um, That's a great question. It's kind of a personal opinion. I mean, it can go go either way. Uh, Most people have the belief that it's a new construction and you don't really need an inspection prior to closing. So a lot of people will default towards the, the warranty. However, Um, A lot of people aren't aware of what the warranty company or the builder's warranty company will cover, so um, if you choose to do the inspection at the one year warranty period, you just want to figure out from the builder or the warranty company what they cover, for example, the the roofing, uh, there may be some shingles or flashing that's not covered uh, by your warranty. So if you do it before you close on the house, then that gives you, you still have all the leverage and that gives you the ability to, to have the builder fix any issues that we find during the home inspection. So um, in my opinion, it's better to do the inspection prior to closing just because you still have all that leverage, but it still is a personal opinion. And if you do the one year uh, warranty inspection, just want to make sure what the builder covers before you opt for that, that type of inspection.
0: And is, is this an either or choice or could you theoretically do inspections at both flashpoints?
1: Yeah, you can do uh, both inspections. There's a lot of people that will call us and have us come in before they uh, buy the house and close on it. And then they go back and, and ask for the us to come back at the one-year period and do another inspection. So it's kind of a personal preference, one or the other, or you know we can come back and do
0: both of them as well. Let's get the legal perspective. This is the Attorney Minute. All right, Craig, a really good one for you this time around. What types of pre-closing issues do real estate attorneys help resolve?
2: Walter, that's a great question, but it's also a very broad question. There are many things that a closing attorney can encounter and resolve prior to actually getting to the closing table. For example, you could have a situation where the buyer or the seller could be going through a divorce, and you might have to be communicating with the respective divorce attorneys regarding distribution of proceeds, a free trader agreement, or a quick claim deed. Another situation, there could be a short sell or pre-foreclosure scenario. So you're now working with the bank's attorneys to resolve that, making sure you get an adequate payoff, and trying to prevent the actual foreclosure. There could be an unresolved estate issue, and you're working with multiple heirs trying to resolve that particular issue. Another example is one of the sellers could have an IRS lien. That leads you to communicating with the IRS directly. Now, of course, there's certain power of attorneys you'll have to get signed by that seller so you can can communicate on behalf of the seller, but those are issues there that you need to address as a closing attorney prior to closing. You could also get to the closing table and only to find out the seller did not complete all the negotiated repairs properly. This could require the preparation of an escrow agreement where it's basically an agreement where an amount of money is held from the seller's proceeds pending the proper completion of repairs. This, of course, you would need to communicate with the buyer's lender, and the buyer's lender would have to agree to that and consent because if it's a large dollar amount, they're going to want to push back closing until those issues are resolved. As you can see, there's a lot of pre-closing issues, and it's it can be very broad, and you kind of, have to have your hand in a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how often are you running into a pre-closing issue that you've got to, you know, address and fix and communicate about?
2: You know, again, every situation, while the process is always the same as you work through a file, every situation is unique. So you could have a particular situation where the sellers are married couple, but one has already left the country. And so you're now in the process of communicating with somebody overseas, for example, trying to get the document signed properly through the consulate in another country and delivered back to the closing table in a timely manner.
0: So there's a little something every time around the block. That's correct. One of the most important parts of the real estate process is the mortgage and making sure everything goes smoothly there. Let's bring in some good insight in our mortgage moment. All right, so Jonathan, I've got a question here from Abby. Abby says, A friend told me that I shouldn't think about buying a home unless I'm prepared for a 20% down payment. I know there are options out there where I can put less down, but is it financially wise to do so?
3: Thanks, Walter. Um, So when you're looking at down payments, it basically comes down to if you're putting 20% down, you're going to avoid what's called mortgage insurance. Uh, Mortgage insurance basically protects the lender that if for some reason you were to foreclose on the property the lender is protected from the cost of that foreclosure financially wise you have to kind of look at what it's going to be saving you monthly compared to uh, what you're going to be putting down so if you're putting you know less than 20 percent down you know the the rule of thumb or or what you may hear out there is you have to put 20 percent down now to qualify for a mortgage that's uh completely false i mean we've got some programs and some products that require zero percent down so you know when you're looking at that the mortgage insurance is going to be factored into your monthly payment so your monthly payment is going to be more so you've got to look at what you're going to be saving monthly as compared to what you're going to be you know shelling out of pocket you know for your down payment amount when it comes to closing so you know as far as being prepared to put the 20 percent down that should not be a factor that's going to cause you to not want to purchase a home
0: Staging a home for sale is an extremely important part of the process, so let's talk staging. This is Stage This House. So, Amber, what are some of the most common issues you see when you go to stage a home? Some of the recurring problems you see everywhere you go.
4: Recurring problems typically are personal style, having what your personal pictures, photography, artwork, tchotchkes whatever, that's always something that we have to address. Having outdated or bold color choices, you know, neon green dining room, it happens a lot. And when you live in your home, it needs to absolutely reflect your style and you need to be comfortable in it and you need to love your home, whatever that style is. Just when we're selling it, we need it to be neutralized and we need other people to visualize themselves in the home. The other, some other things that I see commonly are, you know, clutter just taking things out, collections, things like that, you wanna just really pare that down. And a big one is animals. Animals are a big turnoff for potential buyers, whether it's a smell, an odor, a fear, of animals. Hmm. So typically, I want you to, you know, kind of remove them for definitely remove everything that has to do with animals for photography, and remove them for showings as well.
0: Yeah, and probably even the their items, I'm guessing, like the, if you got a oh, big yes. old dog bed, you're going to want to move that?
4: Oh, dog beds. We want buyers to think that you don't even have an animal. Mm-hmm. People have artwork of their animals, photography, I'm like, you have to take it down. We want to remove those things. We don't want people to even think that because typically a buyer will think that your animal is much nastier than their animal. Hmm. And so they will always want to find that as a a turnoff when they're looking.
0: Nobody's as cute and cuddly as fluffy.
4: Of course not. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: So you're telling me when I I go to sell my home, I'm going to have to take the claw marks out of the uh, baseboards.
4: That would be a really good (laughs) idea. Yeah, we definitely want to address that.
0: (laughs) It's good that you have a lot of experience, though, and you kind of know some of these boxes are always going to get checked every single time you go through the home. For us, it's like reinventing the wheel the first time we go to sell a home, or even if we've sold a couple of homes, still not something you do every often. You're seeing homes every day, and you're kind of able to say, like, all right, well, let me tell you the easy things right off the bat, this, this, and this.
4: Oh, yeah. There's definitely a list of things that most people don't address. I think when you live in your home, you kind of get used to. You're there every day. You get used to certain things. So There's definitely some things that I could tick a box off for almost every single home. Personal pictures is probably number one.
0: We focus a lot on sellers, but what about you buyers out there? Well, we've got a great expert and specialist specifically in the buying department for the Buying Blitz. All right, Vicky. my question for you today, using a buyer's agent we know is free in North Carolina. So is there any reason why somebody would want to go through this process on their own and not tap into that free representation?
4: I think it's simply just a matter of not understanding the process and not realizing that it's free. I also think that buyers sometimes feel like they can do it on their own, that they have the information, um, and that's where you need to hire the professional. It's one of those things where uh, when a listing goes live on the market, the compensation has already been uh, agreed upon. So if you go in without an agent, then the seller's agent is representing you or someone from their firm. So the, the cost is still the same whether you have an agent or not.
0: It really just puts you behind the eight ball because they've got the seller, an expert on their side while you don't.
4: That's exactly right.
0: You've been listening to the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole. She's the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty here in the Triangle. And if you have questions for Angie, we invite you to go online to acolerealty.com